The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Tēnā koutou katoa. welcome to Gone By Lunchtime. My name is Toby Manhire. A big thank you to Spinoff members for making this possible. Thank you to Jane Yee, the pod boss of the Spinoff Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, March the 16th, 2022, the middle of the morning. With me, Annabelle Lee Mather, back today, Ben Thomas, and a very special guest, a former cabinet minister, a former national leader, a former yak whisperer, Simon Bridges announced yesterday to the surprise of almost everyone that he was going to stop being a politician and start being an explorer of commercial (laughs) and media opportunities. (laughs) The good news for him, as he works through his cost of midlife crisis, is that public transport is now half price, so it's a bit cheaper as he travels the country looking for those opportunities. Welcome, Simon Bridges. I will thank you so much, and uh, I am an explorer. I am an explorer. I like that. Um, can you tell us what you have signed so far in your, in your career? <laughs> um, look, other than the EMI label um, for um, a, a rerun of We Are The World circa 1980, whatever it is, it's because that's what mm. I feel like right now with these headphones on. Mm. Um, no, there, there are no signatures yet. I am exploring and, uh, you know, I'm not going to be overly coy with you. I have... Uh, I have been talking as I explore because um, because one is not entirely stupid mm. and does need to keep the wolves from the door. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, but the the exploration continues and and my and my my comment about um, exploring maybe one or two media projects was just shameless boosterism to see what happened. <laughs> I, was, I was going to ask you. It's worked, though. It's worked. Is it true that you have quit politics after receiving an unturned-downable offer of tens of dollars to replace your spiritual doppelganger, Ben Thomas, on Gone by Lunchtime? <laughs> you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it, mate. That will pay for the, 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 the one or two chai lattes, but I'm excited already. no. No, it's that's that's not true, but it is a, you know it's it is a cruel. What did, what did Jacinda call the um, cost of living crisis? It's like a a wind. What was it? A, a, a wicked, a perfect storm. Was it a wicked perfect storm? A wicked perfect storm. Um, it is a wicked perfect storm that it has taken my retirement to get myself onto Gone by Lunchtime. I mean, you know, <laughs> I've been angling. I, I feel suddenly possibly cool. <laughs> 
As the former Minister of Space, is it true that you're leaving Parliament to set up a programme to send baby yaks into another universe? <laughs> how did you, how, you are good. You are, well, I don't know if you saw that um, the former Deputy Prime Minister of uh, the United Kingdom, Nick Clegg, Liberal Democrat MP, he, he is now like number two or something at Facebook, earning like 18 gajillion dollars a week. And I say this because you mentioned space and Jeff Bezos and what's the Virgin guy and several mm-hmm. others are all. And, um, and look, you are right, and I'm breaking it on this show. I've signed a big contract to be part of those space programs because they know – that I was New Zealand's first ever minister of a space agency. Well, Ben is available to do your comms. Well, well I know he's high tech because I can see that <laughs> microwave behind him. <laughs> the air fryer pushed it off the bench. Right? Well, make yourself available as an apologist for nefarious global corporate <laughs> organisations. Yeah, so Simon, yesterday, as soon as you resigned, uh, whenever there's, you know, it's, it's been a long, what, uh, four years in the wilderness for centre-right commentators. Mm. Uh, the, the phone doesn't call, nobody cares, <laughs> un- until something happens in the National Party and suddenly everyone wants to be <laughs> a friend again. So I, I had a lot of calls saying, you know, do you want to do, 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 do a wrap-up of Simon Bridges' career, look back fondly, you know, tell us what's next. And, you know, my first thought was, you know, how can I make sure that he hasn't done anything before I go on record talking about what a great guy he is? <laughs> and, you know, I find it's so, so sad. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to be on News Hub late nights, you know, going like, you know, a great guy who's contributed a lot to New Zealand politics while the ticker tape underneath runs like, you know, Simon Bridges arrested for, like, murder, you know. And so, so can we just do a bit of due diligence before I respond to this text from TVNZ? Uh, is, is it true that you left uh, because you were recently overheard demonstrating the technique for having triplets and it was it was too outrageous to ever cover up you, you, you know you know that I can't even I can't even laugh at those sort of things without being vaguely inappropriate in my no that's, that's right let's move on let's move on but, but Ben let's address your question seriously there have been so many scandals in my career that have nearly killed me why the fuck would I leave for one now? Mm. Well, that, no, that's, I, mean, so I just find this, this is not a plausible yeah. storyline. <laughs> no, that's... I, I, I fight my scandals in Parliament, not out. It is such... I don't... I, know, I couldn't believe Jessica March when it was like the first question she asked. <laughs> yeah, what have you, what like, have you done? What's if you wrong? don't know me by now... Okay, Okay. in that case, I've got a follow-up question because I I take that as red. I I think, you know, you leave with a clean clean slate. Um, But it it is interesting, you know, you say um, you've been involved in, I think, some of some of the most wild conflagrations we've seen. And, you know, some of the strangest incidents in political history that we've seen. Uh, J- Jamie Lee Ross, Judith Collins, 
have opted basically to destroy their lives and careers <laughs> just to get at you. And so I'm, I'm wondering, are you retiring to like do a course on how to be a bit easier to get along with? Or, like, I, I, have en- I, have enjoy- I have enjoyed all of it. And the thing that is, you are, I don't know what I, how I somehow justify this, <laughs> this passion and I'm just a regular dickhead. You know, there's not, <laughs> I'm not adding, there's not like a lot more to it that is why these people sort of, because you're right, they have exploded. These people have exploded on me. Are you the sort of are you the sort of person like when you're in public, you you know, someone will come up and start talking to you and you're like, oh, they recognize me, I'm Simon Bridges public figure <laughs> or something. And then they just start talking to you about, you know, flat earth or you know, oh, like no, you, you just seem to kind of be a magnet for That's only every crazy, day. Like. No, that's only every day. Actually, I I don't this is this is taking this too serious, but there's some guy, and I don't know if you know, there's this new MG sort of, they're not SUVs, but you, you can buy, and they're, they're quite, they're, they're very reasonably priced, and I'm not, this is not my first infomercial that I'm being subtly paid <laughs> to continent into the thing, okay? Anyway, anyway, it was a nice white MG new late model car. I'm at the Mount in Tauranga, and I'm walking along with my family, my 10-year-old, 8-year-old, 3, a 4-year-old. And uh, this guy, middle-class guy, I mean, it could have been Ben Thomas without the microwave. He was driving. He stops. He starts yelling at me, giving me the bird. <laughs> this is like on Saturday, and I just thought, <laughs> I am so – it wasn't why I've made this decision, but I am so glad that I made this Because you know what I did to him? I was giving him the bird <laughs> I was yelling at him like if I was not getting out, I was in this other one. This other, oh no, I probably shouldn't say this one because we've got a by election still. No, we won't go there. No, go on, go on, go on, go on. We have a very very small listenership, very small listenership. It's tame, but you know that tame for me still gets Simon into trouble. And so, no, we, no, we've got, I've got, I, I. I want Chris Luxon to win the by-election, and we're not going to do that. It's okay. Well, we'll talk about the by-election in a second. Mm. Um, you mentioned that it wasn't when the man was flapping the bird at you like crazy that you decided. When was there? A, there must have been a moment. You've been thinking about it for a while, but what was the precise moment? Exactly where were you? What were you doing when you went? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chuck it in. I think it was my partner Natalie's moment. That was probably about five years ago. It just took her <laughs> a, quite a while <laughs> for me to understand the decision that had been made. Um, and, you know, because I'm a slow learner. But, no, in all seriousness, I think I, I have not had a midlife crisis, okay, but the, the book and all that. But I think it has been part of a couple-year process of working it out. And, and in truth, summer – summer and then the last couple of months and what happens is it's not an overnight thing you have days when you wake up and say man I love politics I took it to Grant Robertson that was amazing um I could do this forever and then you have other days you say what are you doing Simon there's a real world out there and life and children and whānau and fun and happiness and what happens is what happened for me is over time those days become many more than the 
I need to stay in politics days. And and then in the end, it just becomes an inevitability of sort of when. And um, actually, it was going to be the week before. This is new material, by the way. No one, I've said this, no. So it was going to be the week before, but I was isolating with COVID and I couldn't do it live in front of my colleagues. And I thought that was mm. important. And then we got a good poll and that seemed to me nice timing. And so gone by lunchtime. The getting forced to stay home with your children make you second guess yourself though? Because it would for me, I'd be like, Shit, I don't know. I don't know if this is the right thing. This has also come out. We're selling our um, home for a variety of uh, complex reasons that don't, as one journalist asked me, include divorce. But anyway, uh, <laughs> So we're Wait, does that mean you're leaving Tauranga? Well, we can we can get into that, and then but so I'm we're living in a very small rental uh, house, and uh, it was not the right house for COVID and isolation. Mm. No, it was not good. iPads, bad for the brain, <laughs> good for appearance. Yeah, you talked about the book, and that that did seem like the writing of it, the release of it had a. Did it have a cathartic effect on you, do you think, in terms of oh, yeah, just going through sure. that process of reflection? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, without, you know, sounding like a a um, pompous git, I mean, I think I think it is true that it was part of a, a journey, a process um, of working it all out and, um, you know, you get a kind of being happy with where things are and what they're at and working out the leadership of the National Party and so on. What is, what is definitely not true, though, um, says me, these, I, 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 it's been amazing to shamelessly use spin-off to set the record in my version of history <laughs> straight on so many things, actually, so thank you, Toby. But um, is that it's not some, it genuinely isn't some, oh, well, I didn't get the leadership, and so that's sort of it. Actually, I was talking with Grant Robertson about this. Uh, there's a lot about finance that's amazing, right? I mean, it's been, well, as we all know, um, it, it, is an, it is a remarkable privilege to get to shape a country at a level, right? And so it wasn't, it, it was more just, you know, um, and I literally, I never do, but I literally did do a pros and cons chart and the, the, the pros of getting out were much were much higher than the sort of the, the, the reasons to stay in. And so, yeah. So did you do a quantitative list? Because, like, it's not like if you just number them off, some are more important than others, right? Or did you do, like, an elaborate kind of data <laughs> visualisation um, or use Lego? There was there was calculus and statistics involved. Yeah. It was amazing. Well, no. Did, did, did you, you get did Paul Treasury? Did it Treasury approve you, it? You might have made the wrong decision. <laughs> like, fiscal <laughs> hole. Excellent. Like, can we recheck that? I got it wrong. No. No, Simon, no. who would um, who would people be surprised that you actually really like in Parliament? Actually, it's taken me. I cannot believe I'm saying this. We should edit this out. And the I, I actually whilst I whilst I could say many many bad things about him, I do quite like Trevor Mallard in a weird, <laughs> strange <laughs> Stockholm syndrome kind of way. Like, he has, at least he's got a bit of something about him. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, I, I, on, look, I know Toby. Toby will have heard it because he's just a bloody slave to Hosking, right? He's listening every morning. I was on Hosking this morning. <laughs> and um, uh, 
And I can't even remember why I was telling you that story. Actually, I've got it's gone from me. It might. It's but, but there was a reason for this. Uh, why I was telling you about Hosking and Mellard, but anyway, Mellard. Um, yeah. Oh no, that's it. That is it. I was saying. You know, one of the things I'm going to say in my valedictory. Imagine he could have been prime minister. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the whiskies with my class intake last night. Nothing. Um, I, I was bemoaning the beigeness of politics, and and I will give Mellard this. He at least brings a bit of flavour and colour to the to the to the game, and. Um, you know, we we all need a few bitter, twisted old men in Parliament. <laughs> um, nice. There's a bit at the end of your book, uh, Simon, where you kind of go off on this sort of fantasy, imagine imagine chucking it all in, imagine leaving it, imagining retiring to the Coromandel or somewhere and sipping your daiquiris on the seashore or whatever it is. And then you go, oh, no, but God, I'd be so bored. Wouldn't that be terrible? And... Given that, that's where you ended up after going through that process of writing the book. And given that you could still, you know, you could still have been prime minister one day, is there not going to be a moment where you go, oh, what the fuck have I done? What what have I done? You're, you, are, you are a fiend for Hosking, right? Because that is exactly the question he asked me. Exactly. Word wow. for word. You've been listening. Wow. Um, look, let's... You know me, I'm an over-disclosure, discloser and a, um, just say a paragraph or two too much, but that's that's partly why I'm leaving because I, I, I like to keep life interesting and so on. I don't think, I feel very confident with the decision I've made, I'm not going to regret it, right? And I'm not going to say I don't do regrets because that's I don't know whether that's true or not, but I'm not going to regret it. I did my pros and cons and used the calculus and Goldsmith came and knelt me at the end and I, <laughs> I'm confident in that decision, right? What is true, though, is I will feel just a twinge, if it happens, of envy uh, when I see uh, a, a National Party finance minister who isn't me, knowing deep down in my heart that I would have been much, much better. <laughs> so, so I will, I will, there will be, there will be a twinge of, of, of that, of that sort of envy I don't. I think that's a different, slightly different from uh, regret. On the prime minister again, because I do like to overdisclose. And if I was John Kerr or another, I would definitely move on from this. But, but in the end, my scenario to becoming prime minister, which is not the be all and end all of life at any stage, but you know, it would obviously, if it had happened for me, or if it did in the future, be an immense privilege and a chance to shape a wonderful little country. Um, my only path there would have been a John Howard one, right? Or a Bill English one, I suppose, in New Zealand context of doing hard yards, working in very, very hard um, uh, and, and you know, in due court course and some significant amount of time getting there. But I'd be older, fatter, greyer. My kids would be 20. Um, they may or may not talk to me. Um, and so, you know, I just, that was all on the pros and cons, man. Hey, Simon, um, on our, um, we did a poll on the Hui this week of, um, you know, Māori voters and we got them, to, we asked them to rank who they thought the top performing Māori MPs were. And just so you know, you're number 11 out of like 26. <laughs> out of 26? <laughs> really good. Yeah. That's a point. It's, it's not bad, like eh? Grant Robertson's, I'm in the 
top half of his preferred National Party finance spokespeople he's faced off on. Well, there you go. That's not 26, is it? It's not bad. It's not bad. Hey, um, but what I wanted to ask you without being like downer vibes is what was your darkest day in Parliament where you had that real, like, terrible feeling in your puku? Um, This is like choosing between children because there have been a few. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I... You know, it, it, it's and, and maybe this is part of the reason to get out as well. Like, I, there, there have been some dark days, and what what happens in a way is you get better and better at absorbing um, them. I think one of the dark days, in a funny way, it's not because it was actually significant, or in a sense, I was worried about it, but was around the scenario where Judith. Collins lost the confidence of the National Party in the 24 hours that fought before that, or really just the period where there were ticker tapes on the websites um, with my name vis-a-vis, you you know, uh, inappropriate conduct. And I suppose the thing in general terms that always gets you as a politician um, is not so much the effect on myself, but look, it's family seeing those things mm. and the effect it has on them and the worry it has on them and their sense of, um, you know, reputation and mana and so on uh, for, for them. And so that was stressful, very stressful. And, you know, it was, it was, it was a, uh, I, I, in the end, had a confidence about where it would come out Um uh, because, as I've said in the past, you know, look, it's not my first r- rodeo, and 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 I worry, and I worry in a way you end up becoming crazy in politics because you're so unstressed about some of these things that you know, objectively, one should be stressed about, right? But that, that, that was stressful in terms of family and the effect on them, and them not knowing the reality of what it was all about, or you know, what it what it meant. And so on. So, yeah, it wasn't generally. Generally, I've slept like a baby, uh, despite what's been going on. But that was um, that was not a great sleep that night. You mentioned the you're going to be envious and loathing of the, <laughs> of the next uh, national finance minister, and, and Nicola Willis is obviously who you're talking about there, given that she was announced just in I did not use the word recent, loathing. You're recent, not going to slip uh, that into my... Uh, into my so can, I've said can, many loose things on this podcast. <laughs> and congratulations, congratulations to Nicola Willis. That's... What sort of what sort of finance spokesperson? What sort of finance minister is she going to be? A lot of people were picking Chris Bishop, mm. um, but but Chris Luxon has has gone for the deputy. Um, mm. She's got some experience, I think, on finance ex- expenditure uh, civil yeah. committee. She worked with John Key for a long time. Is she? Is she? The Actually, business? Could, could we could we could could we go back a bit and just Simon, if you could tell us. You know, what actually the finance portfolio involves, because when it hits the news, it's all about fiscal holes and adding errors, right? But mm. it's, 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 not a, it's not a mathematics job, right? No. I think that's right. And, that, and that's, in a sense, the advice I've given Nicola. I think she'd be great. I think she'd grow into the job really well because she's got the core competencies, which has been so rightly says, actually aren't, can I count to 15? Um, and, and, and those sort of things. I mean, don't get me wrong, that's, that's important. And some a, a, a decent... Un- Appreciation of economics and and uh, uh, public finance stuff is all good stuff, and she will have that. 
it, it's actually in the end political skill and judgment. You know, these are the things in my basic shtick, which people know, and I've been um, gratified to kind of get a bit of a sense of even from enemies uh, in the field, like Neil Jones and so on uh, on on Twitter. But is I my basic advice uh, to a new finance spokesperson would be look actually keep these things really simple. A key skill is to take from the big and the significant stuff going on in the numbers and reduce that down to Mary and Potidua or Jim and West Auckland or Papamara, wherever it is. And so that's very important. And then when you find that, it's a prioritisation game. So I think, you know, weaker finance uh, spokespeople across parties and so on have tended to be scattergun and focused on all these things. Actually, it's about those two or three things that you think really matter and are going to drive an economy and and uh, motivate New Zealanders and and doing that. So keep it simple uh, and be be consistent on uh, on all of that. Actually, while I'm on a roll, I think another thing that's incredibly important, and I've said this to my colleagues. A key, a key skill for politicians, it seems to me, or really, really successful leaders in any endeavour, actually, is is around reading widely, looking widely, and having a sense of where things are going, right? Um, and so, you know, dare I say it, but it was pretty apparent to anyone who was thinking these things through that inflation, whilst we didn't know Ukraine, but inflation was going to keep going up and we were going to have some real problems at this point in um, in in 2022. So being able to see those, pick up on them, um, speak competently about them, as I say, simply, consistently, to me that's those are the sort of things that really matter in a uh, finance spokesperson. F- a finance spokesperson, in many ways, is the policy leader for a party. And, um, and yeah, I think Nicola will do a good job there. And in terms of the example that you just alluded to, from an opposition perspective, that was about distilling it down to cost of living, those three words, wasn't yeah. it? Was that you that led that or who, 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 or did you see so. that I happening mean, around the world? Or? Many hands make light work. I do I do think, though, you know, um, as my caucus will attest, you know, we were talking about these things right from the start of Chris Luxon's tenure because um, you, we, you, I could see where it was going as important. Then it was important to link the government to those things. So I think there is a, it's not all their fault, absolutely. And of course, Ukraine, blah, 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 supply chains, all these things. But there is a, there is an issue around government spending and the inflationary effect. So it's doing that. Now, though, actually, we've got to a point where that's almost beyond the, that's almost beside the point. People are feeling it. It's about how the government reacts to that. And, and that leads me into sort of where we're at um, in terms of election 2023, be really clear, Labor's got some big advantages. I and mean, one of them is lots of dollars, um, the Treasury, and the ability to pivot and move and, 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 and itch scratches, you know, scratch itches like reduce petrol in one off way and so on. Um, what National's got at its most basic is under Chris Luxon, a very clearly renewed sense amongst New Zealanders like we didn't have for a while that we are the best on economic matters and cost of living and housing and these sort of sort of things and 
If I'm right, without making you all kind of incredibly depressed, I reckon we're in for a pretty tough time in the next year or two. I mean, I I, I, I personally think the risk of recession is very high, and that, that will be, whilst we don't want that to happen, that seriousness will lead people to national, it seems to me. Anyway, sorry, that was a bit of a tangent went on there. But well, I mean, the, 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 the national opposition was in good stead, wasn't it, with uh, banging the drum on cost of living, laying it out mm. to people. I mean, and then the finance spokesperson up and left unexpectedly, which, which <laughs> unfortunately. Annabelle, we, we, the, the, that poll which came out last week, which put uh, national in the lead, which put the the centre-right block in the lead for the first time in, in more than a couple of years, I think. Uh, Simon Bridges mentioned that wicked per- perfect storm. Um, we love an elemental elemental <laughs> metaphor. He was talking about winds and sails with the National Party. And you had, you had, didn't you, you have got the Omicron surge, you've got this inflation rampant cost of living, and you've got a recent occupation of the grounds of Parliament for more than three weeks. When you look at all that, do you reckon that this is, Labour will be hoping this is the low point? Or do you think, as Simon Bridges suggests, we're in for a torrid time in the year and a bit ahead? Well, I think, of course, Labour will be hoping that this is a torrid point, but I, I don't think it is. I think this is the start of a of a pattern. And, I mean, to be fair to Ardern, a lot of the stuff that she's had to contend with, and to, to a large degree, even inflation is not of her making, but um, it, it kind of is the perfect shitstorm all, all coming to, to bear at once. And while they've done, a, I think, a really good job with... Um, COVID and, you know, natural disasters and all sorts of crazy stuff that's happened, I think they have wasted their political capital that they got um, after last um, after the last election and, and I think people are just getting ha with it. It is, I'd be interested to hear what you think about this, Ben, but it is this, when there was some talk that Chris Bishop might take the finance <coughs> portfolio for National, there was some talk about COVID being kind of over so, or, or, or less or, or less important and certainly people are <clears throat> over it which I think is reflected in that poll to a large degree but when we remember for example that the pickle that former national leader Simon Bridges got into when he went quite hard as an opposition MP saying quite a few things that in retrospect don't seem at all deranged but seem probably to have been mistimed in terms of the level of the criticisms <laughs> early on in the pandemic. You'd probably agree with that, wouldn't you, Simon? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, that, that what were they again? Nah, it's not good. It's life's good. There's been a book, there's been the yaks, there's been, you know, there's been a renaissance. There's a stunning media career coming. <laughs> But the what the hell was I saying? The the, the the there's some sense in which that's banked, right? Like you look at that chart that's been going around that from the um, our world and data, which talks about the um, excess morbidity, and you've got these countries going way out to the right in the huge numbers, and you've got New Zealand down the bottom going the other way. You know, more people have have stayed alive over the last couple of years as a result of the response. But I'm getting to a question here eventually. Is, it, is there a sense in which the smart strategy is to go, oh, yeah, well done on COVID, nice one. Right, let's talk about the economy, let's talk about people's lives, let's talk about the future, that in a way 
the less said about COVID now, the better. And, you know, in terms of that, whatever the political aphorism is, that voters don't really care what happened a year ago, two years ago. They care about what's being put in front of them now. Which, uh, yeah, I mean, the the thing is, just like the old superannuation accord of the 90s, um, it seems like both the major parties are trying to get a bipartisan accord that neither of them care about COVID anymore uh, because it's really, um, you know, first of all, the, po- the the actual policy setting gaps between the two parties have, have narrowed to sort of almost nothing, right? The borders, you know, we, we've just seen the borders going to be reopening even earlier than we thought. Um, you know, VAX mandates, the Prime Minister's been saying that, you know, they'll, they'll be sort of on their way in the traffic light system you know, after the peak will probably be um, sort of discarded. So, you know, in terms of those sort of big differences as opposed to just kind of keeping on the Ministry of Health sort of, uh, you know, tale about rat tests and things, um, you know, COVID's becoming an operational matter, right? And that was the government's strategy as well. And I think both parties will be pretty happy to just sort of, you know, make it a kind of nonpartisan operational issue. Um, but, you, you know, that's the reality, right? You know, you said it's been two years since uh, since National was ahead in the polls under the leadership of uh, plucky upstart S. Bridges in February 2020. Uh, then, you know, two, two things happened to change that. The first was uh, the COVID response, you know, world leading, you know, you can't argue with the results unprecedented MMP result for Labor. Second thing was that the economy was holding up much, much, much better than anyone thought. In fact, you know, in fact, there were boom times for a lot of people uh, because there was all this fresh money coming in from the Reserve Bank, you know, um, and, and you know, the inflationary effects hadn't flowed through into things like petrol, uh, you know, consumer items, things like that. Um, they had just been making everyone's houses worth more. Um, and so the middle classes actually felt really good at the end of that first year of the pandemic. And they uh, and, and and it's only it's only sort of, re- but you know if the two if the two things holding up your political popularity, uh, outstanding COVID response, eliminating the virus, beating the disease, and strong economy, well, it's no surprise that you start to dip once everyone has COVID and <laughs> the, and petrol is three dollars a litre. You know, I mean, it's it, you know all you've got to fall back on is Kiwi build, which is sort of. <laughs> Added about <laughs> ten houses last year, you know, and you and you're back to that same sort of lack of delivery, which I think, like Annabelle said, you know, they were elected with you know fifty percent of the vote essentially. They they could do whatever they wanted, um, and you know there hasn't actually been much progress on a lot of their agenda. You know, particularly as you know, opposition leader Simon Ridges used to say, in terms of this delivery stuff, in terms of getting things done. You know, we would we're, we're sort of having another launch press release about you know they're finally decided this time on, you know, the um, on the light rail for Auckland. I mean, I think that was meant to be finished by now. I think that was meant to be extended to Hamilton by now, you know, under the original designs. She's got a, she's got a cabinet of people that can't get shit done. That's her main problem. And mm. then, I mean, ironically, in my mind, Louisa Wall is like a really effective MP who's great mm. at getting her private members bills across and stuff and she's just sitting on the sidelines. It's weird. There's, there's a, it struck me the other day that there are now all these um, implementation 
operationalizing delivery units. It, 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 you know, it wasn't there was a time where, where you were if you hadn't been invited onto a working group, then you were nobody. And it's now <laughs> if you haven't been invited onto an implementa- implementation group, then then you're nobody. The the reality, though, in some ways, is that you touched on this, Simon. The government has the control of Treasury. The government yeah. acted this week to cut 25% off fuel, mm. the fuel excise, because it needed to, and it did. You know, it showed some agility. It showed that it could be nimble in response to that mm. stuff. It's showing again uh, this morning as it brings forward the opening of the border to tourists that it can move quite quickly. And that's that's that that, that, that that's what makes a difference, isn't it, Annabelle? And the kind of very base public arena of politics. Yeah, I think it goes to show that that um, when they have the political will to do something, they can make it happen. And I think obviously taking the tax or fuel is, is going to be really helpful. I mean, the whole cutting public transport down to half price is probably something they should have done at, you know, at the start of the last term, if we're mm. serious about, um, you know, our our once-in-a-generation moment to turn around climate change and all of that mm. stuff. But, yeah, I think, again, it just comes back to that thing of A being too slow to move. I mean, the whole thing of, around water. Like, in 2017, people were up in arms about the bottling of New Zealand water and it being mm. exported off overseas. Everybody got whipped up about it. It was a huge election issue. Yeah. They made big promises and to this day we're still shipping it all off overseas. Why not? Like I realise that it's helpful to base good policy on good research, but why couldn't they have just stuck a moratorium on water bottling until they'd done that and then get some legislation happening? I mean, it's a little bit... Obviously, a lot's happened since then. Like I was thinking today, remember two years ago when they couldn't give away barrels of oil? Mm. Um, and, and now we're paying like $3 at the pump. Or like the good old days when we used to worry about the brain drain. Like, man. <laughs> well, we would have been worrying about that again if I was still finance spokesperson. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I think something in what Annabelle's saying is that so I'm not arguing against what I said either. You can win an election on tactics and, you know, chucking out free fees or whatever it is that you're doing. It is very tactical from the government, though, right? So they don't seem to be able to get into the underlying issues of the cost of living. And I appreciate they're very difficult ones and deal with those. Um, so I, I just have the sense of tactics rather than a deeper strategy, which is not so important opposition, very important in government. On COVID, look, in the end, and I don't, this cannot be taken out of context by anyone, they've done a good job on COVID, right? The overall, yeah, no, 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 no. Look, they've, they've stuffed up a lot of stuff, rats and blah, blah, blah all the stuff, bishops all over. But, Bro, there's but rats in, everywhere. Everyone's yeah, got rats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now we have. I've got like 18 of them right here. It's, it's, but, but, but the uh, Listeners, Simon Bridges just held up a plastic bag full of rats. You've had, you've been to broadcasting school, Toby. That's right. That kind of. So oh, yeah. anyway, where is I going on that? So, but in the end, it'll move on from that. And I sort of think of, I've, I've always been big on this one. I used to use this as an argument as to why I was going to win the 2020 election. It's, it's, it's Churchill Clement Attlee, right? Churchill won the war. Everyone knows who his name is. Most of this has probably haven't even heard of Clement Attlee, but he won in 45 um, because they banked what Churchill had done. They, so I, I personally think COVID 
I'm not saying it's gone away yet. I'm not. Da, 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 da. There's there's plenty more to go, and we'll feel the effects. Of it. I personally think the election will be on different things. Um, massive amount of mansplaining here, but let me give you one more thing. You know, my view of politics often it is a bit of a battle of the narrative. Actually, it's not even a narrative. Sometimes it's just topics. Right, and so it's pretty simple. Talk about the stuff they believe you on, and we know that if you're on the blue team, they believe you on stuff with dollars and bridges and uh, physical stuff. We know if you're in labour, look, caring and sharing and health and education are at a level. These are the things. So. I don't agree with something you said, Ben. Labor will still want to talk about COVID till the cows come home because mm. in the end, that's in the and it, and, and, and I but I know and I It's been their strongest so. Yeah, and, and I know mm. though, if I'm talking cost of living as a National Party MP, it almost doesn't matter what I'm saying. Right? But people are picking up on that issue and it and and they know they can believe me more than someone on the other side because that's what we're good at. All right? Although I have to say, in terms of the latest polls, I'm not convinced that it's anything Luxon in particular has done. I think it's just that inflation and the cost of living is starting to hit <coughs> ordinary New Zealanders and they're pissed off about it and therefore they're supporting Luxon. They don't like what happened out the front of Parliament with the protesters and stuff. So I think it's very messy time for a government. You know, it's more it's more about yeah, it's more about being annoyed with the government than it is about being like lured by by Luxon, in my opinion. It's it's true it's true also that in the in the UK at the moment, uh Keir Starmer, the leader of the Labour Party, is trying to nail uh, the Boris Johnson Tory government over cost of living. So there's, there's, and Anthony Albanese in Australia, right? Well, so yep. you know, they're, 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 that that kind of underscores the extent to which there is a large part of it that isn't isn't under the control. I just want to I've jotted a few things down here, Simon Bridges, that we might include when we do a post on this. One is quote: "It doesn't matter what I'm saying." I think is like a good, good <laughs> and also Jacinda. Don't, no, no, it was, don't take me out of context. Anything Jacinda, I don't like in hindsight is out of context. <laughs> Jacinda Ardern is New Zealand's Winston Churchill. I think was the other. <laughs> <laughs> Quite interesting. Hey, hey, before we wind up, let's talk just quickly about. Uh, the by-election that we're going to have in Tauranga, uh, there's, you know, some 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 talk about whether or not Winston Peters, who has some experience with by-elections and has some mm. experience with the constituency of Tauranga, might mm. find a way to kind of sail back in on that perfect storm. There's um, some, I've seen, I think Joe Moore in Newsroom wrote this morning, it uh, was interesting, tipped Tanya Tapsell, who was an mm. impressive mm. Uh, candidate. Yeah. Um, yes. uh, was it, was, where was she? Was it was out, out east? Why what, 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 she, she uh, was no, in Bay of Plenty. Yeah. What do you think, Simon? Is she a, would she be a worthy successor? And look, it's not for me to sort of pick, and I'll try and be very, but but as a person, she's obviously high caliber, fantastic. And, um, you know, I, I was at the time as leader very excited about getting Tanya involved. 
And, uh, you know, it's a crying shame she didn't get in, but, you know, it was a, it was a terrible election for us. I mean, in terms of the You guys had a shit list. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, no, well, yeah, this, anyway. Um, there's, uh, there's no, no, yes, no, I've said all sorts there. You can't say that. You don't know what I said. By election, um, two two basic thoughts for you. Look, the first one in relation to Winston, and I just say this objectively, like because I have a sneaking regard for him, but like Mallard, um, he's twenty years too late. Look, Tauranga is a very different city that was even when I first became the member of Parliament. I said, um, and Toby would have heard this on Hosking. Um, it, it, it's <laughs> new builds, it's acacia berries, and it's also actually complicated issues around homeless and crime and stuff. Now, so it's a it's a very dynamic little city. And, and so it's, it's 20 years too late for Winston. It's just not his kind of town anymore. Um, it's a left-right thing. And actually, as saying to James Shaw, you know, the, the Green Party um, should put more effort in Tauranga, dare I say it, because it, it, it's just a more modern city where, you know, there'll be people who will share that kaupapa. The other point I would make, though, and, and I got this literally before talking to you, talking to a, a former NZ First staffer, and his view was no way Winston will stand. And the reason for that in the end is Winston knows right now, we're actually in the lead up to the election, he could only win a Labour provincial town, right, or city, mm. right? So it would have to be a, I'm riffing here, this is actually not a great example, but a wider or a, it, 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 because he needs to be railing at this stage in the game. And with a city like Tauranga, that's just not his deal, it seems to me. Hmm. Oh. What do you guys think, uh, Annabelle, Ben? The, the other thing that I wrote about uh, a little bit yesterday was whether or not this by-election will end up channeling some of the underbelly of disaffection that manifested in part at, at, at Parliament grounds and whether you, I've got a little mini scoop for you for Gone By Lunchtime, which is that I asked Matt King, who's starting a political party, whether he was up for it and he said he's not ready yet. So Matt King has ruled himself out. You'll be disappointed to hear. But there are a bunch of, we did this in the last podcast or the one before last, and we, there were sort of 10 or 11 different political figures that have been involved in, in that movement. And now I, I want to be clear, I'm not suggesting that it, any of those those people have a, have, a, have a chance of winning it, but it does change the nature potentially of the contest. What are your thoughts, Annabelle Bed? No, I, I, I don't think so. I think the, the, those are sort of marginal figures. Um, e- even, even with the concentrated attention that goes on a single race in a by-election, you know, unless, unless their uh, campaign rally ends up occupying the town square or whatever Tauranga has for, you know, three weeks and setting fire to it, yeah. uh, I don't think they'll get a lot of attention. Um, you know, this, this, this is a, you know, it's, it's, it's a, fr- these are fringe movements. Um, I mean, I mean, it's a good opportunity for national, you know, obviously, you know, you could say they have everything to lose and that it's, you know, it's very safe national seat. Um, by-elections tend to swing against the government in any case, uh, you know, particularly, say, at a time like this when there's a bit of disaffection, when the government's maybe a little on the way down. Um, but at the same time, you know, a, a strong performance from a good candidate, you know, particularly one who helps sort of um, lux and flesh out what is, uh, you know, overall, you could say a pretty uninspiring sort of, uh, you know, battalion to go to war with. 
um, in 2023. Um, you know, I, I think it's all upside for National in the by-election. And I, and I don't think Winston Peters will get anywhere near it. I don't think he could bear the humiliation of losing. Yeah, All upside for National, Annabelle? Surely not. Well, funnily enough, I thought that... Winston might throw his hat on, in the ring just because he's clearly so desperate for relevance at the moment, you know, wandering around without his mask on down in Wellington and whatnot. I wouldn't have put it past him. But having heard what Simon said, I actually think that he's spot on. I do think it'll become a rallying point for some of those fringe parties again and that they'll use it to try and, you know, get a bit of um, um, oxygen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, clearly it's going to... I think Tanya Tapsell is a really impressive wahine and exactly the sort of um, candidate that um, that national should be targeting. Is there a legal requirement to have a by-election? Yes. Yeah, yes. basically, um, unless it's an election year and then there's certain um, rules and timeframes, but in this case, yep. When I put my letter in. It's a lot of money that we have to pay for you, Simon. So it's not too late. You haven't put your letter in. To replace you. This is what Trevor Mallard told me. Um, So you have to give a letter to Trevor. Tom Brady's retirement lasted about, what, a week? Right. Right. It's like when people, you know, that thing of having a funeral before you're dead, so you just get a chance to see all the tributes. That's what's going on here, isn't it's it? Been, it's been very affirming. <laughs> hey, thanks, very Simon. affirming. thanks, Simon, for joining us. We really appreciate it. We'll, um, after this podcast, we'll talk about terms for you joining Gone by Lunchtime permanently. Brilliant. Um, mm. uh, ben, good luck, with the, good luck for the future. Uh, Annabelle, thank you. Thanks, everyone, and we'll uh, talk again soon. Cheers, man. Have a great life, Simon. Thanks so much. Hey, well, Simon, <laughs> will you come and be a commentator on the hui now? Yes. Hey, hey. You promise? It's not. Yeah. Don't do cross. Don't use promise, this. Because every time oh. I ring you for an interview, you like, you you, free, you ghost me. You ghost well, chips me. You hard, serve me the ghost chips. Hard issues, <laughs> but, but out of politics, there are no hard issues. Can't play. Can't play. No Good mai haere mai. Good luck. Kakiti ano. Kia ora e te iwi, Kia Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.